Friends, we are just going to keep saying that for 50 days, so buckle up. Every time we come on a Sunday, there is a new resurrection appearance. There's a new manifestation of Christ's glory. That's why we need at least 50 days to let this story ripple out. And so I really do want you to understand that we're seeing facets of the crystal turned every Sunday to get new insight into the resurrection and what's happening. It's very good news. Today is the story about the road to Emmaus, and it's one of my personal favorites, and I'll walk through why I think that is. It is a resurrection story, and there's some like mystery in the story where we know it's Jesus, but they don't yet, so there's kind of a literary thing going on that's satisfying. There's also looking at this story through the lens of the early church and understanding how resurrection and Holy Eucharist go together. But I think today, as I thought, what's happening in the park cities and how religious leaders and political leaders are calling us to reflect on mental health, I think there is something in this story for how we think about our health, our well-being, how we put ourselves back together after trauma. And so all of these levels are operating in this story today, and we realize it's not just good biblical theology, it's good advice for living as well. So let's dive in. Remember, we are still on Easter Day, so you might be further along, you might be um, thinking about Pentecost and all, but it is still Easter Day, and as I said in Contemporary last week, Easter was bad news before it was good news. It took a minute to get to that good news proclamation. And so these two disciples, one's known as Cleopas, the other is unnamed, they are walking along the road to Emmaus, which doesn't actually exist today. If you go to the Holy Land, they'll take you to a place that could have been it based on the description, but it doesn't exist as a place right now. So they're on their way on the road to Emmaus, and they are shattered. That's not an understatement. I want us to remember what's happened. Their friend has died. The Messiah has been killed. Their hopes for Israel have been dashed. And it's, I imagine that they are walking on that road back to their village to basically pick up their former lives, that what they had hoped for was not to be. So it's that level of fragmentation, that level of dislocation. And they're walking and they're sad. And then we're told a stranger comes along and the narrator says, it's Jesus, just wait. But they don't know that. And the stranger walks with them. And what I was struck by in the story is the stranger says, what are you talking about? What's happening? And kind of that open stance, that curiosity, tell me what's happening in your life. And then the disciples began to recount everything that had happened. And they were shocked that he didn't know what had been happening in Jerusalem these past three days. And it's interesting because in his curiosity and his listening and their being able to tell the story, you guys know how therapy works. There's someone who is listening to you. It may be a therapist. It may be a friend. It may be a church member, someone in Stephen's ministry. But they clear their plate to listen to your story and to find out what has happened, what broke, where are the pieces. And that's what this stranger does with no judgment, comes alongside and says, what are you talking about? And as the disciples began to get into it and it became clear that this was something of power and great hurt, he wasn't turned off. He wasn't turned away. He just continued to listen. And they walked him through the whole story from the death, but also their disappointment in what this could have been for Israel. And then Jesus does something that most therapists 
don't really do. He kind of scolds them and says, can you not see? And then he interprets their story through the lens of the prophets and through the lens of scripture. And basically he takes these pieces which seem to be shattered. Life seems to have ended and this stranger reassembles it so that as they look from Moses through to this current moment, they see a kind of purpose. They see a kind of grace and order that they didn't expect. The stranger reassembles their lives, literally, through his talking in ways that gives them new hope. And so they feel something burning inside them. They know that something's happening, but they're still not clear who it is. Then they get to Emmaus, and the road divides, and the stranger goes as if to go on ahead, but the two, and this is critical for our life of faith, stop him and say, come, stay with us, break bread with us. That gesture of hospitality in the midst of their grief, in the midst of their brokenness, they tell the stranger to come be with them because it is dark and the country roads around Jerusalem at night are not safe. And in a sense, they're able to rise out of their pain, rise out of their brokenness to see the other and invite him in. That is critical because I do believe that Jesus would have kept walking. He would not have forced himself into their gathering, into their home, into their dinner. And so their choice to call him was instrumental in his revelation of himself. So he goes in, they have dinner, and what does he do? You'll recognize it. He takes the bread, he blesses it, and he breaks it. And in that Eucharistic action, in that communion action, they perceive him. They see the risen Lord and he vanishes from their sight. And then what do they do? They actually cannot contain themselves. Yes, it is night. Yes, it is dangerous. They turn and they run back to Jerusalem in the dark. And they tell the other disciples what has happened. And their story of the resurrection meets the other st disciples' story of the resurrection when he came into that locked room. And so, like I said, you're beginning to get this resonance, this ripple where it all comes together and they are transformed. When we come together on Sunday, we are not just doing churchy things. When we come together on Sunday, we are celebrating the Holy Eucharist. We are doing that ancient pattern to reassemble our lives, which in some cases, not every case, some of you are doing, doing just great. Things are fantastic. But you have friends among you who are broken, who are shattered, who have lost a child or family member, whose marriage is ending, whose family member is taken to jail, the pieces litter the floor. And their job, with our help, is to reassemble that life through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of the resurrection, and help them know, I know you can't see anything beyond this moment, but through the power of Christ, you will be reassembled. You will be put back together in a way that makes your witness even more compelling. That's what we're being called to. And I want you to think about this particular service of Holy Eucharist. Jesus is revealed in all of the ways of life. But in this pattern, this ancient pattern, we gather as community. Step one to healing. If you are by yourself and isolated, it is much harder to do this work than if you are in the company of others. We skip past that, but it's key. You have chosen to be here. You have chosen to gather. 
And then what do we do? We listen to the record of God's healing works in Hebrew scripture, in the gospels, in the epistles. We listen to how God has been revealed sometimes in devastating times. And then someone helps us interpret that, to turn that around, to see it in a new way. And then we pray and we say we're sorry and we offer our money, we offer our lives. And then we come to the table and we take, bless, and break the bread. We don't just remember Jesus in communion. We encounter the risen Lord. And so I want you when, you, when that Eucharistic prayer begins and you hear those words that you know so well, I want you to be ready to place those pieces of yourself on the altar and ask the risen Lord to reassemble them in a way that makes you effective in your mission in the world. And God will meet you there. You know that. How many times do people come up to these rails and without a word, the tears on their face, it's not because of what we are doing. It's because God has met them in the place of Holy Eucharist and they are being reassembled. And so that's my invitation to you, friends. As you come to this church, you are not just doing something for the sake of church. You are doing something for the sake of your lives, for the sake of your health and your wellness. And you are remembering that if you are in a place of strength and abundance, there's somebody who needs you. And if you're in a place of brokenness and dissolution, this church will hold you. It is that integration. It is that putting back together that we do when we come on Sunday morning and then continue the whole week long. It's fantastic. And it's unique. And the world needs to know about it. Happy Easter. He is risen. Amen.